Welcome to the Frederick Riverson podcast, where we decode narcissists and manipulation to avoid them in the future and get ourselves out of toxic situations. Just a reminder that these episodes are also on the YouTube channel that you can find under Frederick Riverson. When you watch on YouTube, you will be able to see some graphics that I use, some diagrams I use, and also some summaries. There's extra information. So even though listening on the go is practical, you will get more value if you watch on YouTube. Thank you for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the podcast. I had a few questions recently about how can you tell when there's a conflict with a person who is being unreasonable? And obviously, the, the people contacting me are worried that maybe they are being unreasonable or maybe they did something wrong and the other person is upset and they've got a right to be upset. And typically they'll, they'll apologize and they wonder what they can do to make things better. But sometimes there's a nagging feeling of, well, maybe I didn't really do anything that was that wrong. Maybe the other person's narrative is a bit exaggerated, is a bit one-sided. And how can we tell? How can we have enough peace of mind? How can we avoid trying to, you know, the expression wrestle with a pig? How can we, how can we avoid all the drama? Uh, and quite often we try to talk about it with the other person and present our point of view and see if they, if they understand, see if they acknowledge it and look for some, you know, some kind of understanding, some kind of agreement. Obviously with a healthy person, this, this works quite well because you listen to someone else we consider what they have to say, we recognize mistakes we made, they recognize mistakes they made, we both apologize and we we make amends and we do our best to, to avoid this kind of situation in the future. However, there are situations with an unhealthy person where it feels massively lopsided. And because this can be very confusing, I thought I'd share a few tips that work with my with my clients. There's one story I mentioned, I believe it was on the YouTube channel. And incidentally, if you haven't subscribed, it would be great to have you there because I do different content. Well, sometimes I share the audio, but then you'll have the video. And this, by the way, is a audio podcast only content as I'm feeling, uh, well, inspired to do it now. And it's different work than editing, editing a, a, a whole entire video. So there's one story I shared, which was about a person who met a woman and they uh, spent a few days getting to know each other, got to know each other more intimately. They lived in different countries. They arranged to see each other one time in his country. And it was, so he says, a very nice time. And she was very happy and he went out of his way to make it really, really nice for them. And then they arranged to see each other another time. So I think he told me it was up in the air, but then sort of, let's try to make it happen. A month later, he goes there. And he came back and was, that's when he contacted me, and was pretty distressed. And he was basically going, you know, some some weird things happened. I, I can't really make sense of what's going on. I'm really upset and I don't understand if I'm being unreasonable or, or what really is happening. So in a nutshell, he told me the story was that he, he went there and she was strange and distant and picking fights. And so he was thinking maybe he should just um, just uh, find another place to stay or book an earlier trip back. And her moods were sort of swinging back and forth. 
And what turned out was at one point she said that she had actually met someone else, which, you know, is fine. It can happen. But he was a bit annoyed that she hadn't warned him beforehand. And she wanted to continue being intimate with him during that moment, which was, he said, quite confusing. You know, mixed signals at all. And so he tried to, to understand, met someone, what exactly happened. And basically, to cut a, make a long story short, what had happened was that she basically said that he'd been sending mixed signals, therefore she was more open and something, and so she met someone, and so he was digging a bit more. When you, know, when you say you met someone, you've met someone, but nothing has has started correct and she was she didn't want to answer that question and basically uh, so again cut long story short it turned out that she had decided that she was liking him too much had decided that she was going to find someone so went I, uh, I can't remember he didn't men mention if it was a dating app or if she called somebody that she knew before basically arranged to meet and to have uh, an intimate moment with this person and not tell him uh, and this wasn't wasn't even the person that she met; it was another person. And so he came back and he said, "You know, I I don't really understand. She's got every right to do it. However, I'm annoyed." And she claimed that she didn't realize that he'd be upset. And we started talking about it. And he said, "It's actually." He started remembering. This is the 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 strange bit where the pieces come together. He said. We'd actually had a conversation about what it would be like if one of us was intimate with someone else. And I told her, that would be strange. So it's not like as though we're together, but it would be strange if, it would be strange to me if anyone else was involved. So, you know, fair enough. So she had a very clear message about that. And at one point he, he came to conclusion saying, you know, she has every right to meet me. We spent... A very nice few days together. She's got every right to go straight back and jump into bed with whoever she wants. She's got every right to do that. She's free. She's an adult. She can do what she wants. She's got every right to not tell me. It's true. People are, they've got every right to lie. She's got every right to deceive me, knowing that for me it would be a problem and still not telling me. She's got every right to not tell me before I buy the plane ticket, knowing that it's costing me money and it's time I could be spending doing other things, so taking taking vacation, uh, spending time with her instead of someone else. She's got every right to do that. She's got every right to not tell me after I get the plane ticket. She's got every, she's got every right to not tell me when I'm there. She's got every right to, to then obfuscate and then, you know, eventually tell me. She's got every right to do all of this. But you know what? I've got every right to be pissed off. And she won't allow me to be upset about this. And what we did here sort of was an exercise, a bit similar to another story I'm going to tell you, where when we're not certain who is right and who is wrong, it can make sense to just take a piece of paper and write down who did what, just objectively. Just factually, not judging. So just as he did, she has got every right to spend a nice romantic weekend with me, let me believe that it might amount to something, and then 
as she got, gets off the plane, or maybe even before she gets off the plane, maybe even before she gets on the plane, arrange to jump into bed with someone else. You've got every right to do that, sure. These are facts. And when you start stacking up the facts, each of them on its own doesn't seem like much. But when you start having 10, 15, 20 things that really annoy you, that makes for quite a different picture. And what did she, what did she say that she was upset about? She said, she told him that he was, she was upset because he hadn't been very communicative during a week. Uh, I think it was, he said it was the week after they had been, they'd met. And he said, well, it's true. I was also incredibly busy with work and I told her I was incredibly busy with work. And she's got every right to be upset about it. And she has every right to not tell me that she's upset about it. And she's got every right to decide that, well, if he's not communicative with me, then I will jump in bed with someone else. Yes, absolutely. And I've got every right to be upset. And if, if the, the total amount of things that bothered her were that he had not been communicative enough and she didn't tell him, well, it's not that really justifies anything. It's more that it presents a very different picture to the one that she was trying to present, which was, well, you weren't communicative, therefore I ended up in bed with another person. Another thing to do, incidentally, with each of the, the things the other person does, or that we do, is to think, was this preventable? And if so, how was it preventable? And was it reasonable? For him to be busy with work is sort of circumstances. And yeah, he can probably communicate more, but you can also wonder, well, maybe it wasn't clear that she wanted more communication. And, and nobody forced her to do any of the things she did. Nobody forced her to lie. It was a choice. Indeed, working was a choice, but what's the alternative to, to not work, to not be busy? And yes, you know, the, these things, when you don't really know someone, you sort of iron them out. And that helps increase the, the relationship, understand expectations, communication, styles, patterns, strategies, and so on. You iron it out. And if you don't want to, it's fine. Simply, if you don't want to and someone else is upset, they've got every right to be upset. So if she's got the, you know, if one person has the right to jump into bed with whoever, the other person has every right to be upset about it. So this exercise of seeing who did what is really quite important. It's easy to lose track of, of the big picture. And that's why writing it down is so, so helpful. So I did an exercise with, with a, a client who had the situation where there was a disagreement between this client and a friend of the client's. In short, what we did is we saw, so let's say person A, person B, person A is my client, person B is the friend, quote unquote, friend. So person B said that person A had been unreasonable, had let them down, had been overly optimistic. That was basically a social event where they were supposed to spend some time together interesting detail is person B invited themselves to, to the event, asking for person A to, or to bring them along as a, as a favor. Person A has a, I'm thinking how to, how to present this. Let's say people they care for who were 
also present and they needed to spend time with with uh, these people so family members who needed some level of attention some level of care and person b basically said you you were not available enough for me to during this event uh so i was really upset so that's one one side of the story the other side of the story is to say person b showed up later than necessary didn't attend some of the the things that would have made everything easier drank far too much acted in a very embarrassing way made person a uncomfortable perhaps due to the drinking but maybe that was the goal collapsed at one point uh, fell asleep in a rather awkward place and then disappeared the next day and so the question was well did i cause this is it because i was unavailable that 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 b did all of these things and so here the question simply is to say well you know being unavailable because a family member has some needs and you need to attend to the family member as well as do other things did that force person b to drink too much you know we can use it as an excuse i was upset therefore i drank well in adlerian psychology we would say no you wanted to drink therefore you got upset so you'd have an excuse if you don't want to drink you don't drink if you don't want to behave in a way that's embarrassing and ruining the evening for your friend then you don't do it and if you don't have any understanding that somebody else might have other priorities except from only you and they're trying to accommodate multiple people and you're not the only person and that upsets you well i can sort of understand if you're a three-year-old but if you're a fully grown adult who doesn't understand that people have multiple priorities and they try to balance and do their best well then you need a therapist i mentioned actually that one of my friends became a father recently and we had planned to see each other hadn't seen each other in months maybe even a year and he he had to cancel sort of last minute because his his wife was sick and he needed to take care of the child and yes on the one hand i was disappointed that i didn't see him but of course i understood what was the alternative that he let his sick wife take care of the child i mean how is that fair that he take the, the the child along well that wouldn't work uh so it was it was obviously the only thing to do and yes i'm disappointed so what it's okay he does the right thing i'm proud of him to do the right thing for doing the right thing because he's a great 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 guy great great friend great husband great father absolutely does the right thing with all of my support and yes i'm also disappointed and so what it's fine and if he showed up because he didn't know how to to tell me i'd have been upset because friends are supposed to be supporting each other and sort of trying to pull each other down so with this client we did this exercise and just listed all of the things and it was it was massively skewed on one side what what this person had done wrong was be a bit over optimistic and overstretched what the you know which is okay maybe a mistake to be a bit optimistic and trying to do their best to support everyone what the other person did quote unquote wrong everything was a choice you choose if you want to drink too much you choose if you want to be provocative during an event where 
It's not about you. The thing about having a family member who has requirements and needs some some level of presence and support and attention, well, that's not a choice. That's the way things are. That's just a fact. So on the one hand, one person is dealing with a fact, doing her best. On the other one, the person is basically acting like a baby and looking for looking for attention. And in this person's mind, she was thinking, maybe, maybe I was doing something wrong. Maybe something I could, you know, maybe I caused something. Well, no, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. It do, it doesn't even add up logically. You know, how do you force someone to drink? You pretty much put a gun to their head and say, if you don't drink, then then I pull the trigger. But apart from that, you don't force them to do it. If they have a drinking problem, then maybe you don't try to put drinks under their nose. But in this case, she was, if anything out, if anything, person A was trying to prevent person B from drinking, you know, not encouraging it and trying to, to not egg person B on. This is, this is really quite important to, to learn to take a step back and balance things. Oh, and here's a tip, by the way. Let's assume that you can count all of the different things that different people did. So in this case, person A did one thing, and person B did 12. So that's a total of 13 things. If you compare them percentage-wise, it's roughly an 8% versus 92% responsibility. And there's no way that being a bit optimistic, given a situation with, with family, outweighs about a dozen things that the other person did, which each of them taken individually looked like a form of sabotage. There's no way it outweighs it. So at most, person A's responsibility would be 8%, and at least person B's responsibility would be 92%. But then we can also ask the question, is there anything person A could have done that would have not led to person B acting like a fool? And I'm not sure there really is. Because even with the attention, there probably would have been a problem. And the lack of attention didn't explain why person B was late. And person B probably had decided to drink anyway, and probably was going to, to act provocative anyway. Something to remember, if someone anyway will be doing all the things they claim they did because of something you did, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. And when someone says, well, I did this because you did that, that's just shifting responsibility. It's ridiculous. It's just removing removing ownership and agency. It's basically saying, I'm passive. And this is what, remember, narcissists do all the time. You might have seen in one of my videos, I talk about the, like, the asymmetry of their bad faith. And it goes something like this. We can draw a line between things we have agency over, so things we can control, and things over which we have no agency, so things that happen to us. And this is in psychology called the, the locus of control. Where do we perceive, on average, our control? Is it more internal? So that means we have agency, we can control things, or is it more external? Some people will 
typically feel that life happens to them and they can't change anything. And if they have that belief, then they probably, well, to some extent, are right, because that belief is a limiting belief and leads to very specific outcomes that are not great. And when people switch to the locus of control that is internal, where they focus on what they actually can control, the outcomes they can get, then they start making changes to improve their life. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy also, because they're making the changes which sort of demonstrates they can control something. Now, here, just in case you're wondering about this, I'd always suggest, regardless of how little control we have in our life, it's a good idea to focus on that which we can control. Even if the only thing we can control is how we breathe, it's not nothing. It's not small and we have to start somewhere. Because the alternative is controlling nothing. And that means someone else controls it. And I do not believe it's a good idea to let other people control our life because if they get it wrong, we pay the price. Now with, now with narcissists, remember, toxic people, and I use the, the term like narcissist broadly so we know toxic people, uh, let's say generally, and this is a trait of toxicity, even if it's the only trait, it's a pretty, pretty bad trait. What they do is they have a skewed view. Well, they will say, or they'll have two sets of rules. One set of rule applies to them, the other set of rule applies to you and everyone else. For them, they will say, everything good that happens in my life is thanks to me because I'm amazing. But if something bad happens to me, I've got no, no agency, no control. I'm just a victim. And this breaks the locus of control idea. The locus of control idea is to say, we primarily see our agency on one side or the other. So we've got agency and control, or we, things happen to us, we don't have agency and control. And it's meant to be roughly at the same level for good things and for bad things. Narcissists skew this. On the one hand, they skew it for them. Good things are thanks to them, and bad things are because of the world and unfairness and, and terrible things. And incidentally, look for people using the word fair and unfair. If they're above the age of six, then there's toxicity going on. And if below the age of six, then somebody just put toxic ideas in the head. Uh, something I'd be happy to discuss. So these are very, very unhelpful concepts that show that there's some manipulation going on. They're either manipulated or they are manipulating. Um, so for narcissists, for them, good things are thanks to them, bad things because of everyone else. But for anyone else, good things are because of luck and bad things serves them right. All because of them. And you go, on the one hand, you're supposed to have roughly the same view of the world everywhere. Like my view clearly is that all of us can control more than nothing. Even if it's only our breathing, that's not a small thing to control, and we better start somewhere. So if everyone, anyone listening to this, if you can work on your breathing, that will make your life a little bit better. Not massively, of course, it won't solve all of your problems. However, if you can start somewhere, it's better than starting nowhere. And once you have breathing, you can do food, sleep, exercise, how you dress, how you think, negative thought patterns, uh, unhelpful thought structures, avoiding toxicity, you know, eating better food, uh, dressing with better clothes, reading more, cutting out toxicity, and so on. There are plenty of things we can work on. All these tiny things add up. Even, you know, cleaning a room adds up. Actually, 
quick uh, quick mention. Some years ago, I got the book by Marie Kondo about uh, the joys of something, tidying. And that book actually did change my life because that was the first time I sat down. It's like, okay, now I have a method. I can start sorting through things. And it made, it made a huge difference. Just getting rid of all of the all of the stuff I didn't need, all of the clutter in my apartment, got rid of the clutter in my head, largely. It was a big, big game changer, very bizarre. Which also echoes, by the way, uh, one of the chapters of Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, where he talks about cleaning a room. It's so, this is complete overlap with Mary Kondo. It's so important. Take something you can control and control it. Just the satisfaction of knowing that you're controlling one, that something is under your control. It makes a world of difference when you go from, it feels like the world is happening to me. That's a trigger to regain an internal locus of control. And it's not a small one. And just that little spark can be an absolute game changer. So, so if you're, or regardless of who you are and your situation, the more you feel you can control and the more you can control, the better things are for you. And I really hope that things become the best for you because, you know, life is, life is beautiful. And the more we can control, the more we get the beautiful life that, that we dream of, really. So, yes, with the locus of control, narcissists, they have this double skewed version. And I really suggest that we, we focus back on what it is that we can control. And one thing we can control is how do we judge these things? It can be tempting with a disagreement to think, you know, you and I don't get along. So you explain your point of view. I explain mine. We listen to each other. We talk through things. And that works with healthy people. But what makes us believe that a specific person is actually being healthy? Like, what have they done specifically to show that that is the case? If the answer is nothing, then maybe don't expect it. And maybe don't go arguing with the person because if they haven't demonstrated that they are capable of being reasonable and being healthy, then it might be unreasonable to assume they're going to do it in the future. One big common problem that people have when it comes to psychology is how they observe in expectations. A common expectation we have is to think, well, I do X, I do this. I wouldn't do that. So we use ourselves as a baseline, and that is absolutely normal that we do it, and it's absolutely wrong and mistaken. Why? Because if we observe 100 people, they're not like us, and they don't do what we expect them to do. The observation demonstrates that we're wrong. Of course, we can conclude that everyone else is a bunch of idiots. You know, and to some extent, we're right. And to another extent, well, they're probably thinking the same about us, largely, and maybe they're entirely wrong, you know, to some extent. Intelligence isn't linear, plenty, you know, a lot of us do plenty of things that objectively seem quite idiotic to others, but makes a lot of sense to us. So that's one of the, the key points is, it makes sense to us, don't assume it makes sense to others, because if it did, they'd be doing the same thing. But maybe the idiotic thing is to assume that people will do something we've never seen them do because that is what we would do. It's something I learned with the lie detection courses. Observe someone's baseline. If they always do the same thing, expect them to do it again. If you see your neighbor every morning buys a newspaper and a banana, you might think newspapers are such a 
dumb idea. Why would you do that? Because you can read the news online and news anyway. There's so much ridiculous fake news and so-called journalists today are seldom journalists and and so on. And bananas. Bananas are terrible. They're terrible. Full of sugar. Terrible for your health. It makes no sense to you. But if the person has done it every single day for the past 4,000 days, maybe it doesn't seem unreasonable to assume they're pretty likely to do it tomorrow unless there's a reason for change even if we would never do it. So always remember this. Always remember, what is the baseline the other person demonstrates and not think, well, what would I do if I were them? This is also a key point when considering the, the situation. So when, we, when, when we're looking at this is, if they have never been reasonable, don't try arguing, sorry, don't try arguing reasoning with them. If they've not been reasonable, just take a piece of paper down, write down objectively what you did, what they did, and compare and see how it stacks up. And if you realize that it's roughly even and the person seems to be open to, to talking, then you could try talking, see what happens. But if you see it's not at all even, completely skewed, and they're in denial, and they're shifting the blame from, well, I did these things and it was a bit crap of me, that's true, to... Well, I did that because of you. If that is the case, maybe consider if you really want to talk with them about it. Or if you're not better off just cutting your ties with them. Because remember, just as in the first story, the person has got every right to be angry. Well, if you want to cut ties with that unreasonable person, they've got every right to be angry. And you've got every right also to be unreasonable if you want to. And you've got every right to choose how to spend your energy wisely. And you know, if you get it wrong, it's okay. We don't have to be reasonable with everyone. And if you're thinking, well, it's not fair, we have to talk about fairness because that's, that's a common tool that's used to manipulate people. One person's fair is another person's unfair and pain. So that's not very helpful as a tool. There we go. I'm wrapping up. I see I've got 20 seconds before the recording cuts. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you haven't joined the YouTube channel, then do look it up. F. Ribison, Fribison in one word. Thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone is doing really well. Thank you. And yeah, take good care. Bye, everyone.